Welcome to the very first episode of Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups, a podcast that is intended to be your guide into dreamland. Hopefully, you'll never hear the end of it. Once upon a time, if you were lucky, someone told you bedtime stories. Maybe someone read you books, or the same favorite book over and over. Or maybe someone made up your bedtime stories, telling you nonsensical things until you closed your eyes and drifted into sleep. These bedtime stories are the whimsical, made-up kind. Little snippets from dreamland to guide you there. There is no plot to follow, no sense to make of anything. Just a sequence of images from beyond the consciousness of day to help you drift, let go, and fall blissfully into sleep. In this story, there are three women playing the role of one woman. Or maybe, maybe it's three women playing three women in three different stories. Anyway, there is only one man in this story. It's a Norwegian story. It's very good, but difficult to figure out. And then it starts all over again only with the real people in the roles that the story is actually about. Honestly, the fictional account with the actors is much better. There are animals coming out of the path from the woods. First a tiny owl, the size of a hummingbird, and then a great big bear. The kids are running up and touching the bear and running off. They should leave that bear alone. Now there are more animals. Here comes a lynx. I've never seen a lynx before. They're usually so secretive. The lynx is with another big cat. I don't know what it is. It looks kind of like a cougar, but it's blue. A blue cougar. They are hesitating at the edge of the woods, looking at all of us humans gawking at them. All of the animals are coming out of the woods now Something very strange is going on. Someone says we should have some sort of communal praying session. So we all start holding hands in a big circle. It's kind of awkward. 
and somewhere in the background someone's smoking cigarettes and reciting poetry in a spotlight in a darkened room. And we need to remember that there are some really dangerous creatures out there. Trolls for one. They're really tall and strangely skinny trolls that move in packs. They look like giant puppets or marionettes and they froth at the mouth when they speak. They're all real, but when the light shines on them, they disappear back into the shadows. Who knows what they're plotting? There were a lot of people coming wanting to join us. They were called refugees, and we were trying to keep them out. We managed to get them all into one room at the top of the tower while we tried to figure out what to do with them. We were actually planning on killing them. Well, starving them out technically. We were definitely making some pretty nefarious plans while they were all locked up in one room at the top of the tower. But I didn't think we could do it. Eliminate all those people. I was leaning toward just letting them out. Letting them all go and do whatever they wanted. I was very close to doing just that. I mean, there were children in that room. These days, there are airplanes crashing into each other in the sky. Mysterious objects burn up as they enter the atmosphere and explode. There are explosions everywhere. It's strange and frightening. Is this what the end of the world looks like? We need to take shelter from all the exploding objects and pieces of falling airplane debris. Sometimes it's hard to see any hope in the world at all. There are strange things outside on the ground, too. People are behaving strangely. They are forming up into affiliated groups or small mobs and sometimes killing each other. Some people are trying to go it alone, running away from the cities and hoping to survive in what is left of the wilderness. The animals are acting strange, too. There is a cat. It's like a cross between a real cat and a stuffed animal. It's like half in one world and half in another world. Half alive and half dead. It doesn't respond much, but you have to be careful around it. And that is the shrub where most of the squirrels are holed up. Don't step on it or they will come out swarming and they're all rabid. Give them plenty of space. There's a couple trying to get home to the eastern seaboard. They say, yes, it does seem like the end of the world. But it is only in this area, where we are now, 
watching everything unfold on the screens. It's a huge rectangle that can be seen from space. The planes are only crashing here, and the people and animals are only going crazy here. If you can get out of this rectangle, then everything is fine. We need to get out then. The rectangle covers a lot of big eastern cities. Why didn't we just stay out west? If we all turn off our screens, can we get back to where we came from? When we came back to where we started, we saw some friends on the road. The woman from Amsterdam was there with her smiling, friendly face. We said that we had been to Australia, and it was much too hot. We are going back to our rooms, but the doorway is covered in cobwebs that are filled with eggs. Have we really been gone that long? Wait a minute. Now we notice some sort of exodus of little insects, including the cross-bearing spiders. They are called that because they have tiny little crosses on their backs. The insect exodus includes a number of species, like ants, some of the ants are carrying licorice all sorts on their backs. Others are carrying leaves. This is so weird. We've never seen an insect exodus like this. They're all leaving the forest. But they've halted. Because we are in their way. They're like a little army. Where are they going? Anyway, we don't know anything about these cross-bearing spiders and think it's best to exercise caution. Maybe we should find some sticks or something to sweep all the cobwebs away from the doorway. It's tucked away. Hidden. Like a fairy tale doorway underneath a giant root or within the hollow of a tree. saga again. We are making our way through the damaged ship. There's a conveyor that's slightly out of kilter, which is why it's a few inches underwater. We are going too slowly. One of those soul-sucking creatures from another dimension is coming along the conveyor. It's silvery blue. It took someone's soul before we managed to get rid of it. Now everyone is arguing about the conveyor belt. How to fix it. And we'd better fix it before another one of those soul suckers comes along.
It was pouring. There was so much rain that waves were running down the streets, and at the bottom, people were walking on water. Lakes were forming everywhere. It rained so much that at the shoreline, you could see that the rain was actually running backwards from the sea, up the hill. But most people didn't notice. We tried to point out that this wasn't normal, but no one was paying any attention. Nobody knew what normal meant anymore anyway. Everything is covered in water. Not only that, people are terrified and terrifying. They are desperate and you don't know whether an approaching stranger will be helpful or mug you and maybe leave you for dead. There are roaming bands of gangs and thugs and everything is wet. There are no dry paths. Everything is soaking wet. The city is in chaos. Like a giant hill in an illustration with everything crammed together. Maybe it is Babel. We are seeing the magistrate. He is like a mullah and seems to be in charge, though hardly anyone respects his authority. That one is a pretender. Someone is asking what should be done about the crying baby. And the magistrate says, the mother must breastfeed the baby. That's impossible, I whisper. The baby is big, almost 14 months now, and adopted. We will just do it how it needs to be done. More chaos. There are lots of hills to climb and descend in the snow and rain and fog. No one seems to be working together. We have a grown daughter who worked there. She had to get out because of all the bullying and harassment. It was a nasty place to work. I don't know where she is now, but I'm trying to find my husband. We are invited to his cousin's wedding. It's $200 per person. That's $800 for the four of us before travel and accommodation. Do we have to go? Can't we decline? There are even categories of seats in the church. $400 will get you a view of the bride and groom. $300 will get you close, plus a peekaboo view of the water. $200 will get you in the church with a view of the backs of heads of the people that are much better off than you are. Gaudi, the Spanish architect, is working on a housing project in the middle of the city. 
It's looking good. Interesting. I can see him on the bulbous roof. But then he seems to get angry. There's some tiny little flaw that has enraged him. He's taking a sledgehammer to the roof and kicking it in with his boots. Oh dear. He will have to start all over again. He's such a perfectionist. It's too much. Now he's draping some sort of material over the roofs and lighting it on fire. It's not good to be such a perfectionist. doubles of us. We have been invited into a house by the doubles of our friend and her boyfriend. The actor. I forget his name. He plays thugs and bad boyfriends. Their doubles are offering them something. Books. There are two books that tell the same story, but with different endings. One good and one bad. You have to take your chances. I think it is dangerous to accept gifts from your doubles, especially in this house. I think we should leave. I'm getting out. We are trying to keep track of two things in small wooden boxes. One has two strands of everything, and it's easy to see and pick up. But the other is a condensed ball, and it's evasive, elusive. But which makes more sense? Which describes the reality we are in? In the end, I find it easier to keep track of the condensed balls, because I have entirely lost track of the strands. They have switched on us. I still don't like it when the old women scrutinize me while I do the laundry. There was a funeral for a small old man who was still alive. It was going okay at first, and even the old man was enjoying it. But all of a sudden, someone said the wrong words. Something like, redeem the life of a sinner. And then all these evangelicals in the pews went nuts. They started speaking in tongues and going on about what was going to happen to all the sinners. It wasn't very nice. And it really wasn't appropriate for a funeral. There was also a wedding going on. Whose wedding? Outside, it was raining ice in July. Everything was covered in ice. Not very auspicious for the wedding. Ice and electric storms can be dangerous.
there is an opportunity to change in fire. It is tricky, but it can be done. See? Like changing clothes. Fire clothes. Perfect timing is essential. Thank you for listening. Sweet dreams.